Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome back to the Wealth Planning Podcast on the UBS Conversations Podcast Channel. Our focus for today will be on the topic of name, image, and likeness. We are joined by Eric Sini, Executive Director and Wealth Planning Strategist from UBS. Eric will take a few moments here at the top to walk you through what you'll be hearing today as well as introduce our guest. Eric, welcome back. I'll pass it over to you. Great, Dan. Thank you. And thank you, as always, for running out on this. Um, welcome, everyone. And thank you again for joining us for another edition of the Wealth Planning Podcast. NIL, or Name, Image, and Likeness, is an area that's seen a lot of publicity this year in the college world. Um, as we'll be hearing more about today, players can now get paid for the use of their name, image, and likeness. Uh, it's a form of property, right? called the right of publicity. And this is actually something that's been around for a long time and has been leveraged by professional athletes and entertainers, among others. Uh, but until recently, college athletes were not able to take advantage of this right and, and, and monetize it. So what we wanted to do today was spend time talking about what the right is, uh, how it's leveraged, and how we as planners can assist clients in taking steps to plan uh, for the benefits that may come when we uh, engage with an athlete or entertainer is able to monetize the use of their name, image, and likeness. So joining me today for this discussion is my good friend and colleague, Melissa Lilly. Uh, Melissa is a director and wealth planning strategist here at UBS and works as part of the wealth planning and trust consulting team. Melissa, thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Eric. Thank you for having me. We have a really exciting topic to cover today in the planning world, so appreciate you having me. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. So, this is a big one. Um, so much discussion today around this NIL idea, right? Every time I'm turning on sports radio, including today, uh, just as recently at lunchtime, uh, I'm hearing more about it, especially here in the southeast where I'm located, uh, where they consider this uh, sort of the home of college football. Uh, it's a really big deal and has become a source of a lot of discussion. So to start off, can you talk a little bit about NIL, where it came from, and, and what it means? Sure, absolutely. Um, name, image, and likeness, or NIL for short, is currently a big buzzword in college sports, as you mentioned in your intro. Um, the roots of the NIL laws really came from comes from the right of an individual to publicity and to the right to the, the right to control their own identity. The right arises under state law, so each state may be a little bit different. And currently, there really is no there is no federal law governing the NIL rules. Um, so high-profile individuals like athletes and entertainers have always been able to monetize their NIL through sportsmanship and endorsements, um, and they're also able to keep others from using their name and their image um, without consent. So if we think of professional musicians and movie stars and athletes, they've all historically leveraged this to generate income as sort of a side gig in, in, you know, in, in terms of what their, you know, not their day job, but their side gig. Um, we, we think of Michael Jordan and Air Jordans or, you know, the George Foreman's famous grill that we see all over the place um, or Beyonce representing Pepsi. Um, you know, more recently, we've seen celebrities, um, you know, pitching Bitcoin like Larry David and Matt, Matt Damon um, on the Super Bowl commercial. Um, you know, and, and on the flip side, the NIL laws really prohibit someone else using your name and image likeness without your consent. Um, for example, I live in New Orleans where the Saints are a really big deal. Um, there was a situation in, where Drew Brees, uh, you know, we're a fan of Drew Brees. He's a big name here. And a fan of Drew Brees had created this really neat T-shirt. And the T-shirt they sort of made for their friends and then all of a sudden started selling it. And 
after a few months, this, this individual who was signed this T-shirt received a cease and desist letter from Drew Brees' representative threatening to sue them for a violation of the NIL laws in the state of Louisiana. So the state laws give Drew Brees the right to benefit from the revenues he earns from his name, image, and likeness, and also to control um, what type of images depict his likeness. This particular T-shirt, you know, the people who were making it had no agreement in place with Drew Brees, and so they were in violation of the law. That's a great example with the Saints. Um, I think it really lays out how it works, and if if you've ever been to – uh, any kind of major sporting event outside the stadium, there's almost always a good number of T-shirts floating around. So I'm sure this issue... Yep, probably lots of violations. <laughs> probably more than a few. Um, so how did we get here with college sports in particular, uh, right? Because this wasn't always a, a topic of discussion, but it has really picked up. So why is it such a hot topic right now? Uh, and, you know, especially when we know that professional athletes and entertainers have been able to do this and monetize it for for years. What changed? Sure. I mean, historically, um, you know, college sports has really been seen as an amateur sport where, where you know, getting paid to play was really looked down upon. So until recently, the governing body of college sports, the, the NCAA, prohibited college athletes from benefiting personally from their name, image, and likeness while playing in college. So that governing body really controlled um, the college athletes. Um, despite this ban, however, the universities themselves were able to leverage the high-profile athletes in the university marketing, marketing campaign. So the universities were making a ton of money off of these athletes, even though the athletes were not personally able to um, receive NIL compensation. Um, a little over a year ago, in June of 2021, um, there was a case in front of the United States Supreme Court called the National Collegiate Athletes Association versus Sean Alston. Um, and in that case, the Supreme Court unanimously ruled that the strict NCAA limits on compensating af- athletes violated the U.S. antitrust laws. Um, you know, my favorite quote from the opinion was actually in the concurring opinion from Justice Brett Kavanaugh. And I'm quoting here, and he said, Traditions alone cannot justify the NCAA's decision to build a massive money-making enterprise on the backs of student-athletes who are not fairly compensated. He continued to say that nowhere else in America can business get away with agreeing not to pay their workers a fair market rate on the theory that their product is defined by not paying their workers a fair market rate. So this ruling really upturned the NCAA regulations the, um, the, you know, and college athletes. The, the regulations have not really come up to speed with this ruling. Um, and really where we are left off is that the NCAA is not in the, in the place to be able to, to monitor all of this. And so state law is applying now to each kid individually or each, you know, each student athlete. And it's interesting, I think, because of that, uh, you know, it's incredible how much chaos it has created because of the differing state laws or the lack of a state law. Um, so you've got coaches commenting on it, how it impacts their programs, competitiveness, and how it affects the transfer portal decisions. Uh, it's just amazing um, the impact this one decision has had on, on college athletics in particular. So, uh, so what does the current landscape look like for a college athlete looking for an NIL deal? Um, there's been a lot of talk about collectives, for example. What are those as well, and, and how does all that play into this? Sure, um, and I think your point's well taken that, you know, at this point in July of 2022, it's really like the Wild West out there, right, in terms of the name, image, and likeness laws. Um, there's no uniform rules. The NCAA has yet to put anything down. There's no federal legislation, so that really drives us back to the state law. 
and every state is different. And because the states are all over the place and, you know, some just haven't gotten up to speed in creating these rules, um, there's, there's disparities among regions, divisions, and conferences. And it's arguably, it's arguably providing huge recruiting advantages to schools with more lenient NIL policies. Um, there have been, you know, there's been a number of really big headline deals where, you know, for example, University of Connecticut star basketball player Paige Buckers, she signed a huge deal with Gatorade. Um, you know, those are those are some of the, the most headline-driven wins. But if you're typically just sort of a, you know, not, not the most high-profile athlete, many of these deals are coming really through school boosters, through something called collectives. And what these collectives are is essentially a, an alumni or a group of, of alumni who band together to form a company whose goal is to really p- to provide NIL opportunities to student athletes at that particular institution. Um, how they find these opportunities differ across uni- different universities, but the basic idea is that the alums donate money to the collective, and then the collective helps the athletes monetize their individual names and co- the brands collectively. Um, so, you know, with that understanding, we see how schools with larger alumni base and, you know, strong financial support for their sports really have, um, you know, larger collectives and larger financial incentives to help bring students over to their program. And as you were saying with that transfer portal, you know, oftentimes kids in, in a, who've been in a school for a year or two will get an offer from a collective at a different school and, and just make that shift because of the money. That's fascinating. It's just truly amazing what's what's going on right now, and it's and the season hasn't even started. So, um, well, now that you've laid that out, and thank you for that, uh, we've got a decent understanding of of the NIL concept. What I would love to focus on next is what can we do with that NIL opportunity when we see it as planners, right? That's what we focus on here at UBS. So, what advice do we have for high school and college athletes, clients, uh, when entering into the system from a financial planning perspective? Sure. I think that the very first suggestion that I would say to any young person, any student athlete out there is to build a good team around you um, of trusted advisors, especially because this is all going to be things that you've never experienced before. You've never learned about this before. And so you really need to to rely on some professionals who've been through the process. Um, This may include, you know, involving your parents, um, a sports agent, a legal professional and a financial advisor along with a CPA or certified public accountant, someone who's familiar with the tax rules. Um, one article I read recently even talked about a high-profile college athlete who hired his own marketing company to help promote him um, as he was applying, you know, going to the process of going, getting into college. Um, you know, the trusted advisors that you choose should definitely be people who have experience negotiating these type of NIL deals um, and have the understanding of the finance and financial implications of these deals. Uh, they should be people who are familiar working with clients who, um, you know, receive earnings at a significant, significant earnings at a young age. So people who've done this before. Right. Right. And so what kind of issues you brought up this, their age, and I think that's something worth paying a little bit of extra attention to. Uh, what kind of issues do you normally see uh, these younger clients uh, facing when they're earning large income? Sure. Well, I mean, the first thing we always like to look at is, is, what age are we talking about? You know, if someone is still a minor from a logistical and legal perspective, in most states, minors are not legally able to enter into a binding contract without a parent or a guardian um, before they turn 18. 
And then once they turn 18, they typically have to re-ratify whatever agreement they have in place at the time um, in order for that particular agreement to remain enforceable. So depending on the age of the athlete, when the deal becomes available, this may be an issue. Um, you know, we're seeing some high school athletes get these deals. So it's not just college. Yeah. Yep. And, and you mentioned that before and we saw some, uh, I know some high school players have recently got it. I think uh, you and I have talked about that before. Uh, what other types of issues do you run into when you're trying to do planning for this type of income? Well, it's important to consider what type of deals a particular individual may be getting. Um, you know, is this athlete someone who's potentially going to get a corporate sponsorship deal? Um, or does the university that you're planning to attend have a collective interest, in, you know, that's interested in supporting you and your sport? Um, you know, can, are you the type of person who can leverage your social media presence to earn money? So where, where do we see for this particular client, where do we see the income streams coming in from? That would be the first place to start. Right. Facts always drive the planning, don't they? Um, Absolutely. <laughs> if you happen to be one of the lucky athletes who are able to benefit from an NIL deal, what then? Uh, do, you, do you take the first deal that comes along, uh, the, the one that has the biggest number on it? How do you, how do you go about analyzing um, this type of uh, opportunity? That's a really good question, and I think it's really hard for a young person to have the, the perspective on this. But we typically suggest thinking about the long term when you're going through this process. It's going to be really difficult for someone who's 17 to 22 um, when they're given the opportunity to sign a really large NIL contract. However, we encourage all of our athletes and entertainment clients to think further down the road. Um, you know, when we talk, for example, with the NFL players, we always like to be conservative and assume that this particular contract or this particular deal will be their last. Um, you never know what's going to happen. Um, you know, so NIL deals in the same sense should be always assumed to be short term. Um, what if what if this is the last deal you get? What comes next, and what's important to you in terms of your career moving forward? Um, the great thing about being in college is that you also get to learn about and discover through education. Um, you know, we we hope that this is important to you and that you take advantage of that that piece of it. Because what if the sports thing doesn't work out? You know, what's next? Have a short term plan in terms of the NIL deal, but also have a long term plan beyond sports. Um, there's a huge value to a free education, which most of these students are, are receiving. So we always advise to don't blow that. Yeah, yeah. Focusing on education always helps. Um, you, know, you really hit on something there with this idea that it, it may be the last deal you get, you know, that type of approach. I mean, you just think about the benefit that might come from planning uh, for, uh, you know, when you have a lump sum payment early on in life. If, if that's properly saved and managed, over the long term, you know, the growth potential and the benefit for that player is, is significant. Um, and so I, I really think that uh, that's something that uh, I know that we're focusing on with our clients of all ages, but certainly ones uh, where they're, they've got these opportunities at a really young age. Um, so what's the best way to start thinking about the longer term for this? And you know, we're talking about it. So what, how would you get into that? Sure. I think really the best way to think about the longer term is through financial planning and and like you said, through a, a financial plan, you can really see the benefit of investing now and the growth over time. And that would be a really great thing you could see in a financial plan. Um, obviously, planning looks a lot different for a young person, but it essentially, think, it essentially starts with thinking about and understanding the role that money plays in your life and in your college, in your career, right? Um, 
the role, this role will likely change over time, which makes revisiting the topic important on a regular basis. Um, I think with a college player, we would really start by creating a budget and understanding, you know, the difference between what you need now to get through your life and what you want to spend money on, right? Those can be very, very different things. Um, income taxes is always a really big conversation with these type of, of athletes. Um, it's a big expense on both the federal and state level, and NIL recipients may also need to consider self-employment taxes with the money that they're receiving through these payments. Um so we talk about, you know, what expenses are essential for you? Are you needing to pay for rent or food? Um, are you providing for your family? Um, you know, and then think hard about discretionary spending. Oftentimes when there's a big windfall, you know, people want to go out and spend and spend. We see it all across the board and all across ages with, with people who, who come into a big, big sum of money. So we always like to advise on being careful and cautionary when you're spending. It can really go fast. Um, and then finally, we really like to talk about setting aside money that you don't need in a savings or an investment account, um, in addition to considering funding a, a retirement account to help reduce the income taxes um, and save for the long term. Wow. A, lot of, a lot of great points in there. You know, the, the piece on taxes really, I think, sticks with me because this is probably the first time for a lot of uh, these players that they're going to have a significant tax consideration at all. And so, sure. um, you know, it's something that it's new to them. So making sure, again, going back to your point about having the right team in place, you know, having that accountant CPA on board is really, I think, critical to the planning element of this. Um, so what approaches do you see athletes and entertainers taking to accommodate, you know, these NIL rights and the compensation from these deals? Sure. A lot of times what we see is, um, is the athlete setting up something called a loan out company. Um, and really what this is, is it's a single member limited liability company that's set up to receive the payments. Um, you know, the loan out company, it really just means, um, you know, it's, it's a company, um, that is, is really the purpose of it is to loan out your name, image and likeness in exchange for, for compensation. So it's not a legal term. It's just really a, you know, a term that kind of helps identify what we're doing within the company. Um, sometimes setting that company up as a subchapter S corporation may help with offset the self-employment tax. And we always suggest that you um, reach out to your tax professional when you're setting up any type of company like that so that you understand the proper tax structure. Yep. Yep. Again, back to that CPA, a critical element. So yep. what other benefits are there from that limited liability company, the LLC? Does that help with asset protection for the wealth as well? And, and then what other considerations should we look at from a planning perspective? Sure. I mean, a single member LLC may help some with asset protection. Uh, what this basically means is that typically the owner of a limited liability company is not personally responsible for the debt of the limited liability company and, and vice versa that the LLC is not responsible for the debt of the member. Um, so that can offer some protection. Okay. Okay. So it may be a way to protect those assets uh, from risk. And that seems like a great goal for planning for clients of any age, particularly those with really long time horizons like these younger players. Um, what else do you consider from a planning standpoint then for these clients? A lot of times we, take, we talk about um, insurance and, and there's a couple of different levels of insurance. So the first would really be like disability insurance. Um, you know, there's always the concern that someone will become injured, right? And and there there are products out there that we can help we can help you know protect against that 
injury um, and, and help with, you know, the resulting loss of income as a result of that injury. So disability insurance income would provide for supplemental income to be insured in the event that there was an illness or an accident where that particular individual is disabled and can't earn money in their regular employment. Um, there's also the possibility of, of high limit disability insurance for the top college and top professional athletes. Um, this can insure against, you know, an injury that would be career ending, possibly. Um, so, you know, we encourage you to t- reach out to your financial advisor to talk about those types of insurance. Um, you know, there's also other types of asset protection planning um, other than the limited liability company. Um, you know, once you're a high-profile athlete, your name's going to be in the paper, and you're most likely going to be a target for people to sue you. So we typically suggest that you have the proper, proper liability insurance in place. Um, you know, obviously auto insurance, always make sure you have the full coverage there. Um, you know, go for the expensive policy because, you're, you know, you want to make sure you have all the coverages to the max. Um, any other type of property, if there's a, a boat or or a house or an apartment or, you know, a condo, make sure you have those insured properly through the homeowner's policy. And and then we also suggest adding an umbrella policy. Um, these are usually, an, an, you know, an inexpensive addition to your existing policies that cover personal injury liability above the auto and the, the homeowner's insurance. Um, but they typically don't cover any property damage. It's just an additional insurance to cover any other things that might be that if you might be sued above the policy limits on your, you know, your car insurance or your homeowners. Um, you know, we also suggest that you consider your estate planning, um, even at a young age. Um, you know, if something were to happen to you, where would you want your money to go? If you don't have a, a plan in place, then your state, the state you live in, will have a plan in place for you. And what that typically means for a young, unmarried person with no children is that your assets would most likely pass to your parents or possibly your siblings. If you want something different to happen, like possibly wanting that money to go to a charity, you'd need to direct otherwise. Um, This can be done in some cases by beneficiary designations on your account, like a payable on death account, on a bank account or an investment account, but most likely is, is usually done through a last will and testament. And again, you know, reaching out to your financial advisor for, you know, help with that discussion and then ultimately finding the proper professional um, to help draft those documents would be important. Yeah, you, you hit on something there. We, we talk about with all of our clients, this is the idea that you don't generally want the state that you live in making the decisions for where your wealth is going to go. And uh, I, I haven't had a client yet disagree with that. So um, it's right. important, right? <laughs> So, well, listen, that's a, that's a lot to digest and consider, right? There's a lot of planning points in there. Um, and so like any other planning, there's just a lot to think through as we work with these younger clients to help them ensure that the wealth they're creating is really working for them and, and is protected for the future. Um, we are running up against the clock here. Uh, that was a fast segment. Um, so I think we're going to have to put a pin in it and, and take a pause. Melissa, I really thank you so much for the conversation today. Um, NIL has found a renewed interest due to the opening of college and high school sports this year, and I am sure we are going to be hearing more and more about this. I know there's so much more we could have covered, so what I'd like to do is I'm going to ask you if you'd be kind enough to join me again, maybe in the future here, uh, to revisit this as things start to unfold because, as you noted, with all the states looking at it, with the coaches talking about it, and the NCAA is still trying to wrap its arms around it, I am sure there's going to be more coming our way that will be interesting to our listeners. 
So thank you again for the time and, and really appreciate the insight. Sure, Eric. Thank you so much for having me. I enjoyed it. Excellent. Well, um, with that, that's going to wrap another session of the Wealth Planning Podcast. Uh, we appreciate your time and joining us today. For our listeners, if you have questions regarding today's discussion or you want to speak further regarding NIL planning opportunities, please reach out to your UBS financial advisor who can help you start that process and bring the resources like Melissa into the conversation. Into the conversation. Excuse me. Um, thanks again, and please join us next time for the next installment of the Wealth Planning Podcast. Neither UBS Financial Services, Inc. nor any of its employees provide tax or legal advice. You should consult with your personal tax or legal advisor regarding your personal circumstances. The information in this discussion has been prepared by and reflects the opinions and various investment views of the speaker. UBS Financial Services, Inc. has not independently verified such information and does not guarantee its accuracy or completeness. This information is being provided to you for your information purposes only and does not constitute a recommendation or an endorsement by UBS Financial Services, Inc. of the author, the securities, or views stated herein. Any specific securities discussed should not be considered a recommendation or solicitation to buy or sell any particular security. You should not assume that any investment in any of the securities was or will be profitable. UBS Financial Services, Inc. or its affiliates and its employees are not affiliated with any third-party speakers mentioned. UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, different in material ways. We are governed by different laws and separate arrangements it is important that clients understand the ways in which we conduct business, that they carefully read the agreements and disclosures that we provide to them about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review the PDF document at UBS.com forward slash relationship summary. UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG, member FINRA SIPC.